Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay Cellular Trail Camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And I am really excited about this episode because me and my buddy Jason sit down and we talk all about his season so far. Now, Jason is like super green when it comes to hunting. In fact, I remember not that long ago sitting down and talking with him about buying a bow. And he's like, hey, is this a good bow? Should I buy it? This is the price. And then he put in the work and practiced and practiced. And now he's completed a pretty major item on every hunter's checklist. And so we're going to talk all about that. In fact, we share some tips that you absolutely have to do if you're going to be a successful hunter. I I say that jokingly because you're about to find out exactly what I'm talking about. Anyways, this was a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. I definitely did. Here we go. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and hanging out with me in the smoke shop, where we do guys night every Thursday night, this is a sweet spot. I mean, it really is. It's good. For for doing a hunting podcast, we've got camo clothes and bows and turkey and deer and elk and all kinds of stuff on the walls um so i feel like this might be the vibe for my one day podcast studio oh it's great and for me just getting into hunting it gives me like some good visuals of like where i want to be in a few years yeah if i could have a wall like this when every time i walk in here i just look at the wall and i'm like this is us like this is our group we made this happen it's pretty awesome Dude, and you got your first year, which we're going to get into that. But first, I guess I should introduce you, Jason Bromley. Jason and I, we met years ago, probably what, three years ago? Was that your first White Trash Bash? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we do this big party, and listeners, you guys have heard this before, but we do a big 4th of July party called the White Trash Psychotash Bash. And we all hang out, and we shoot guns, and we smoke meat, and just have a good old like redneck time out there. I mean, we've done things like riding on top of a school bus shooting skeet off of it you know and uh it's just a good time so we met a couple years ago yeah and it never really turned into anything you know like we never talked outside of that I just recognized you each year and then this year you brought out some sweet guns and I was like yeah this guy like I'm gonna go hang out with this guy and shoot some of these guns and then from there you're like yeah man I'm getting into hunting and I I disc golf, and I'm like, dude, we're going to be best friends. Yeah. And so that that was kind of the start of how we met, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And it was actually, so me and a buddy, we brought Can Jam this summer, and we saw you throwing a Frisbee around, and it was like, hey, like, because we were trying to figure out, like, who's, who's going to be good to come play Can Jam with us, because obviously everybody's welcome, but you want to have some, like, good competition. Oh, yeah. Watching you flick them around, like, okay, this guy knows how to throw a disc. And so, yeah, we were playing Can Jam, and then I think – I think I was using the excuse on a few poor throws, like, oh, I've actually been playing a lot of disc golf, so I'm having to relearn how to throw. And you're like, oh, disc golf. And then yep. and it just, yeah, it just took off from there. Dude, so from there, I mean, we started, 
so we shot together, we threw the disc that day, and then we did a couple rounds of disc golf together. Yep. And then we also uh, did some e-bike rides, like, yes. late at night. Yes. And that was a good time. And Which so, I have to comment on that because it was hilarious because at first you said, hey, man, I'm going for a late-night bike ride. And at the time, we were maybe a mile away from each other where you were staying over the summer. And you said something about going for a bike ride. And in the past, anytime anybody asked me for a late night bike ride, I'm like getting, I'm on like a single speed bike with like the riding gear. And so I'm like getting ready for like an 18 mile haul, like workout. And then you show up with like a hoodie on and just cruising on this e-bike, smoking a cigarette. I was like, what on earth am I getting myself into? It was a blast. But the next time I definitely toned it down a little bit, like expectations, oh, yeah. like this is to cruise, get out of the house and... Oh yeah, Just I'm I'm not a cyclist. Like I'm gonna go for a long ride. I do it at night just to chill. And those e-bikes, man. Like th- at that point, I wasn't even pedaling because yeah. I had jacked my knee right. up playing basketball. I thought like I hit it with somebody else, and it turns in. It turns out it was like pecular tendonitis or something like Oof. that. And so I just couldn't like put down pressure on my knee yeah. at all. And, uh, so yeah, I was just like cruising with the throttle and you're pedaling and, uh, it was a good time, but then you hit me up and you're like, Hey dude, so I got a saddle and my buddy's going to sell me a bow. Like, I know you hunt, we need to talk. And I'm like, this is amazing Yeah, because I always love meeting new hunting buddies. And anytime I can meet somebody where it's like, Hey dude, you want to go, you know, shoot bows or shoot guns or actually get out and chase after animals it's it's a good time and it turns into something fun so yeah uh, I I was pumped about that it was awesome it was it was crazy on how all the stars kind of aligned of me because I had no idea when we that you had podcasts or that you hunted or anything like that when we first started talking over can jam and so then the way it just just grew into that because I think the second night we went out for rides is when you had the second e-bike yeah and so I think we stayed up till like two or three just in the driveway in the morning, just standing there. You just giving me some advice, telling me stories. And I'm just like getting excited because, you know, this is before the season. And I think I had just gotten my bow. It was like starting to learn how to shoot and everything. So what what was it that made you want to start hunting? So I've always wanted to i grew up in cassville missouri which is a small town it's the type of school like i don't know if anyone does fly fishing roaring river state park's big there so a lot of people go there for trout fishing we would always school would be canceled the first day open season or for trout because well one everyone would be skipping school and then also the buses couldn't get through because just the thousands of people coming in to go fishing out there and so i grew up fishing a little bit we had guns we would shoot we lived out in the country but it wasn't like my dad grew up in a military family, and then also I think most of his upbringing was in Southern California, so he didn't grow up hunting. And so we would shoot. We did a lot of camping and stuff, so we'd spend a lot of time outdoors but just never got into hunting. And so it was like I always wanted to, and all my friends were always doing it, but I didn't quite – I didn't want to be a burden on somebody. Like I just wanted somebody to ask me, like, hey, man, you want to come sit in a stand with me or want me to show you some stuff? But of course they're doing it with their dad or, you know, their friends and stuff. And so it was just, and I just didn't, I didn't have the nerve to ask anybody. Yeah. And so then now I'm getting older and it's like, okay, I'm just turned 35. So I was 34 earlier this year. And I was like, man, like if I want to do it, 
like I have resources. There's internet. I could just look it up. So like this spring, I did my I went turkey hunting for the first time, and so it was just like watching videos and listening to podcasts and just trying to learn this. There's, there's infinite information out there. And so I didn't get anything, but just like getting out there and seeing them and just learning stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm, it's never going to happen unless I just put myself out there. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think there was also a pride aspect of that, of like running into other hunters and looking like the guy that knows nothing about what he's doing. But I'm like, you know what? I'm shameless. And most of the guys I know, if you tell them that and you're humble about it and you're just willing to be coachable and learn information, like everybody's, they'll, they'll come at it with a good attitude and they'll be more than willing to you know, help you out with whatever they can. So, and that was what I experienced, you know, learn, trying to learn, fumble my way through turkey hunting earlier this year. So, um, then when it came into, uh, there's two people, you obviously, and then another guy, Isaac Whitehead that I met this summer. He also, uh, he was actually the one, cause I had kind of mentioned it and he said, Hey man, like I actually have another bow that I have two of just different years and I'm getting ready to sell it. If you're interested, I'll give you a good deal. So I think that was the other thing too, of like having the right gear. Cause it's, you know, stuff that's set up for you. Like uh, yeah. I, I feel like it's a little bit intimidating unless you have somebody to kind of hold your hand and introduce you into stuff. So uh, that's what I was saying. The stars aligned because it was like meeting you and him in the same summer. I think mostly around disc golf because that's where he and I started talking a little bit was playing some disc golf and then he ended up selling me his bow and then just being able to just pick your guys' brains for information and stuff. And so, um, and then just again, he'd like, you know, he'd call me up and just be like, hey man, I'm going to go out to Bodark and just do some scouting, which he's actually from out of state. And so... He was going and scouting, but he wasn't even going to be able to hunt. And I yeah. was like, well, was like, is this kind of a waste of time for you? And he's like, man, this is just what I do. This is what I love to do and stuff. So it was cool just getting out there. And I actually ended up going out on my own several times and bringing my wife and daughter. And we'd just sit at the edge of the field and just at sunset and watch all the deer. So that's it's been nice, too, just, like, getting the family involved. Yeah. And my wife, she grew up hunting. And so it was, like, kind of getting back to her upbringing a little bit, too. And having the family time of just like, let's put the phones down and let's just sit and watch nature and stuff. Like it was just, it's awesome. It's, it's good. It just feels good. Oh yeah. And I feel like with, with hunting, most people, it seems like they get into it one of two ways. One, I mean like late in, in life getting into hunting, not being raised in it. But at that point you either kind of figure it out on your own, which I think there's a lot of pros to it because you're not having someone teach you all of the stuff that they do, especially if they're not a great hunter, you know? Like, I've had mm -hmm. people that are like, man, you got to come archery elk hunting with me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, like, have you been successful? No, man, I've been doing it for, like, 15 years and haven't got one. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe I don't want to yeah. go with you. Like, I want to learn... I want to learn through failure because I feel like that's one of the biggest or like the best ways to learn, right? You learn what not to do. You do one thing wrong and it blows your hunt and it's like, oh crap. Okay. Now hmm. I know mentally noted. Yeah. Whereas if you only learn through success, I mean, there can be a lot of good teaching aspects to that. But, uh, in listening to, it was, it was an NFL player and he was talking about the most memorable Super Bowls that he was a part of were the ones that he lost hmm. and how much he learned from that and how much it drove him to succeed more. Whereas when it just happens and it it's easy, 
sometimes, you know, you can get complacent in that, you know, and you're like, this is it. And then when it doesn't work out, you're like, well, it worked out last time. Like, what the heck? Hmm. And so uh, the other way is, you know, you have somebody that just teaches you and like walks you through it. And I think you had a pretty good mix of the two. You know, you had the people that were helping coach you through some stuff and giving you information. But for a lot of it, you went out and just figured it out. Yeah. And, I mean, the scouting side of it, figuring out where to where to sit. I mean, you started saddle hunting before I did. I had never been yeah, in a saddle. And was I was hilarious. asking you information about it. That blew my mind. I had no idea. Like, I had just dipped my toes into it. And that was another thing that Isaac told me about. He's like, yeah, there's, this, you know, saddle hunting. I would never even heard of it before. I was like, what is this? But... You know, I've through. It's like okay, you're basically like, kind of like in a harness, but you're mobile, and I guess for public land that makes sense. And so I was just like, sure, and uh, got into that. And then when you said that, you, you know, you got your first setup, and then, but it was interesting because coming from somebody who had never really hunted at all, me, and then I uh, like got out there and just kind of had to fumble through it the first three or four times out there. So I felt like. I was able to give you like, hey, from somebody who's never done it before, here's some things I've learned in just three or four weeks of like, I don't know, just figuring out how much time to give you to set up. Because that was something I didn't even, I had practiced shooting like three feet off the ground from the saddle, but I hadn't actually, I didn't have a good tree to practice. And so it was like the first time I actually climbed all the way up in the tree was the first morning I was hunting, opening of bow season. But I gave myself a solid hour once I found a spot, like, in yeah, yeah. But. See, I I figured out saddle hunting similar to that. Like, I hadn't even hung in a tree, period. Like, I tried a saddle on that my buddy brought to a guy's night one time, uh-huh. and that's all the experience that I had with it. I had watched a couple videos of how to do it and, you know, kind of figured out, like, you want to put things in a certain place so you know right where they are. Yeah. You don't want to be climbing the tree fumbling through a backpack or something. Right. And so... I did the same thing, man. I assembled my sticks and my platform in the driveway, walked out to the tree, and just had to figure it out yeah. in that moment. And, I mean, it worked out. It was great. But I I knew where the deer were. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hunting private land that I've hunted for years and years, where on your end, you're hunting public land. And yeah. that is its own challenge in and of itself, Yep. much less figuring out where the deer are, connecting with one. Um, but as you, as you learn that woodsmanship and figure out, you know, travel corridors and, and bed to feed patterns or, or reverse, like you're going to be better off for it. I feel like, and there's a lot of people who are first time deer hunters and they get out there and they figure it out and they become a student of the animal that they're chasing and they're very successful with it. Like every year killing amazing animals whatever it is that they're chasing. So, yeah. It's Talk, go-, go ahead. No, I was just going to say as far as like learning the patterns and everything and, and being on public land and that the place out there is great. Uh, the, the boat arc public land up there. Uh, but it, it is, there's like a crew of guys that manage the land and I'm not trying to sound like I'm complaining or anything, but it, it just so happened the place that I had been scouting, like, for the month or two before opening season, I get out there. I have a tree, like, specifically picked out. I get out there, and I'm going early morning, like, way, probably way earlier than I needed to be, but I just wanted to make sure to give myself time. So I got out there at, like, 3.30 and then hiked out, and I'm like, I just want to be ready. Yeah. 
And then I get over to my tree, and there's some guy, like, fooling around in this pond, like, right, right next to the tree. And I can <laughs> see his headlight, and I have no idea what he's doing. He's making a bunch of noise. I'm like, okay. So then I found, like, an alternate tree. I get set up, and the moment it's getting towards daylight, the guys that operate like the equipment to manage the land, they just start mowing like a hundred yards <laughs> from me. And I was like, well, I'm sure the deer are probably used to it, but I didn't see anything. And then the second day, like the same thing happened. I went out in the evening and it just so happened that they ended up mowing like right next to me. I was like, can they like just wait? <laughs> they until... need to put like a schedule of where they're mowing yeah, each day. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's true. Like the place is huge. So there's probably, they're mowing there and I just had the raw luck of the draw there. Um, and so then I was just like, and then a couple more days I went out and I didn't see anything. And then it's like, I start to question like, man, maybe I'm just not good at this. Maybe like, <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm doing all the right things. And I know some, I probably went overboard. Like I was doing the whole, like washing my clothes with like the scent killer stuff and like putting it in a bag, keeping it controlled, like trying to keep like washing with doing, doing all the things. I was like, I do not want there to be an excuse for not seeing a deer and yeah. obviously i know everyone's like oh just hunt the wind make sure you know you you do the wind right and everything and but still i was like i don't want there to be a doubt that it was like you know i was had the wrong deodorant on or something i feel like i'm probably not superstitious but i'm a little stitious <laughs> no but the uh, good reference yeah uh and so yeah i just i started to think because it, it was good it's therapeutic even just being out there hanging in a tree but I was going out there for like four or five hours and just sitting there. And the saddle I got was entry level. It works great. But I'm sure if you spend a little bit more money, they get a little bit more comfortable. And so I'm still wiggling a little bit up there. I'm like, maybe I move too much. Like, I'm just not seeing anything. And it was kind of discouraging until, obviously, the day that I got the deer. And I don't know if it's a segue if you want me to that, go right into it. That seems like a great segue, man. Okay. All right. So... This was one of those days, it was like, it was one of the really, really cold ones. Yeah. And again, I feel, I, sometimes I feel like a poser when I'm saying this stuff. I'm just, I'm repeating things that people have told me, but I know that if it gets cold, it seems like the deer like to get up and move around a little bit yeah, on some of those first cold days. I feel like there's, I feel like there's certain things that everybody across the board looks for with yeah. hunting. There's obviously techniques, like you mentioned, washing your clothes and scent-free stuff. Like there's people who buy separate washer and dryers because they don't yeah. want any residual crazy getting on their stuff this and, is my hunting washer and dryer oh yeah there's like i i talked to or i heard a podcast one time and this guy uh leases out hunting property and uh he does guided hunts and stuff like that and he doesn't let hunters step foot on the property he drives them out in a side-by-side. -side. They step straight from the side-by-side -side onto the sticks. Wow. Get into the tree. And I'm like, that's one way to do it, sure. Yeah. But, like, my wife isn't going to be getting up to drive me out and drop me off at the base of the tree every day. Yeah. And so if you can learn the hard way, it's going to make the easy way really easy, you know, and you're going to feel like an amazing hunter. And yeah. we, we joke about that. Me and Brad joke about that all the time, like, if you can successfully kill ducks in Missouri, in like southwest Missouri where we're at, you're going to be a phenomenal duck hunter anywhere hmm. else you go. Because really? it's tough. Like they're just, the flyway is weird. It splits right here. Hmm. But when you learn in a difficult environment, it's going to make it that much better when you go somewhere easy. You know, it, it'd be similar to lifting a ton of weight. You know, like yeah. you're lifting 
you're bench pressing 200 pounds and then you go to bench press 15 pounds and it's like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like there's some crossover with hunting and you can get into all that stuff, but cold fronts, everybody believes in cold fronts. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you're a hunter, you know, like, Hey, there's a big drop in temperature. Like the pressure is changing. I'm going to get out the day before the day of, and the day after that. Yeah. And there's just going to be more deer movement and there's science behind it. And, uh, but there's a lot of other little things that are highly debated topics, especially when you get on social media and start talking oh, about I'm it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Nobody ever has a different opinion on oh social media. Oh, my gosh, media. dude. It's unbelievable. I So we'll get back into your story, but I had a guy. He's messaged me multiple times on Facebook, and I I struggle so hard because I want to go off on this guy so bad. He He keeps telling me that... I'm pathetic for going and shooting at deer because they can't shoot back and that I should be a real man and join the military. And I was like, today I messaged him back and I was like, all right, I could either go off on this guy or I could just put it as plainly as possible. Yeah. And I'm like, do you think a lion is pathetic because it's killing zebras and they don't have claws and and teeth to fight back? Should it only hunt for other lions? Right, yeah. like it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I was like, I don't go out and hunt deer because I just want to shoot a living thing. Yeah, like that's not what I'm in it for. And those I'm in it to provide meat, and I'm not going to eat a person, so I have no desire to shoot a person. You know, and anyways, those, those people are not thinking rationally. They're either one just trolling, or they have no idea. And again, this is all stuff that I don't know all the details about. But obviously. Like if you just let them run rampant, then there's overpopulation and then yep. there's disease or they're getting hit on the interstate and all this other stuff. Like there's a there's a method to restoring that balance and, yeah. you know, we're the top of the food chain. Well, here, and so. I mean, humans have been hunting for their food since the beginning of time. Yeah. Like this is in our DNA. We are predators. We have forward facing eyes, just like every other predator out there or, you know, 99% of them. Yeah. And it, it's just something that we've always done. And if you didn't do it, like you probably weren't going to be the fastest or the strongest or, you know, be able to provide for your family. And so the whole argument of like shooting innocent animals for food just doesn't hold any merit with me at yeah. all. I'm like, this is a very recent ideology. It like up, up until a century ago, Hunting was not a debated topic, I don't feel like. You know, yeah. the the slaughter of animals for fur obviously was frowned upon by a lot of people. But as far as hunting for food, it's only recently that people have viewed that as, like, savage. Yeah. And even now, some of the people who did, and they were like, oh, you should go buy your meat at the grocery store, are now realizing what factory farming does. And, yeah. like, even even vegans, I heard this argument not that long ago, and... It was, I mean, somebody was upset about, you know, going and killing an innocent, you're murdering an innocent animal. And it's like, but, but what does it do when you wipe out an entire forest or ecosystem and just plant food for humans that those animals can't eat? It displaces them. They're getting hit on the highway or they don't have enough food and they starve or, you know, like there's a thousand different negative things that come along with that. Yeah. And so everything has a cost to it. And that's what people need to understand is that just because you're eating vegetables doesn't mean you're not 
harming wildlife, whether it's shrews and moles in the ground right. or songbirds or deer or rabbits or yeah. coyotes. It doesn't matter what it is when you're taking away their actual habitat and making it just for human consumption, you're having a negative impact on those animals and you are effectively murdering the innocent animals also. Yeah. And so it, it's it's hard for me. I like to troll trolls online. Like well, as long as like, you know dude, what you're getting yourself if you, into. If you're gonna if you're gonna come at me, like I'm gonna have a lot of fun with it. And I so far he hasn't responded today or since I sent that message, but I'm like I, I could just have so much fun with this. And my last message to him was, I feel like this is a joke, man. Who put you up to this? Yeah. And we'll see what he responds. But, uh, yeah, he's, he said I need to join the infantry. So I I should probably just listen to everything people tell yeah, me for on sure. social media. Any recommendation. Yeah. You just, you just tell me exactly how to live my life, and I will change for you. And then I'll change back for the next guy. It sounds like the beginning to like a long and prosperous relationship, like oh, friendship man. with this guy. I want to be pen pals with him. I mean, we're like virtual pen pals right now. So, but back to your story, man. Right. This is this. See, this is what the podcast is all about. I'm glad, man. I was so nervous coming in here because, like, I wasn't afraid that I wasn't going to be able to talk, but I was afraid that I was just going to ramble and get off on these like random subjects. But as long as that's free game, then I'm I'm all in. Listen, if people are still listening to this podcast, they know that that's what my podcasts are. Like, I go down rabbit holes, and then I'm like, oh crap, this guy was telling a valuable story, and everybody wants to hear it. And then here I am talking about some no, it's great. internet trolls. I feel like we riff off each other really well. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I have this thing that I've coined the phrase, talker's remorse. I literally just brought it up after church today because, like, we get to talking. And then I, before you know it, it's like, dang it, I've been talking for, like, 20 minutes <laughs> nonstop. And then I feel like I've just been dominating the conversation. It's like, okay, all right, like, slow down. Be like, you know the whole thing you got two ears and one mouth like maybe you should listen more <laughs> i feel like i'm a good listener too but like i just get excited and then i just start rambling and my brain just is firing on all cylinders and just hey, goes all these different places you've got two ears and one mouth but your tongue is like the strongest pound for pound muscle in your body true story so i i feel like there's something to be said for that yeah that's good all right yeah. that makes me feel better about yeah, it Yeah, just run with that okay but all right so back into the 23 degree weather that was the other thing too is is so I said I've been scouting that land in before hunting season and everyone said this like oh yeah it's good to like learn where the deer are coming in and stuff but like day one opening season they likely they're going to be in different places and we'd seen some monster bucks out there and we'd sit out there at the edge of this field and there would be maybe 20 to 30 deer out in this field yeah. and at first I'm like how am I going to get a deer out in the field and I know like oh well you find out where they're coming from and you get them earlier in the day because they were coming out right at sunset and so all the things of like okay there's there are deer here I just got to figure out how to get one how to cut them off yeah. yeah and so I was trying to do that and then running into the mowers I hadn't seen I think I'd literally seen three deer and it was a doe and two yearlings with it and they never came within 75 yards. Maybe in a few years I'll have that range, but first year I'm just doing 40 yards and in, and so I'm out there. I'm like, and then I'm also like, I don't have. I was I was wanting to get a doe. I was wanting to fill the freezer, but I was like, I don't want my. F 
I went back and forth. It was like either I want my first shot to be at a doe, so I kind of like get the process and get some you of break like the seal, yeah. break the seal, so I don't like ruin. Like, what if there was just this magnificent buck that came out and like I'm do I do everything wrong, and and so it's like oh maybe like a doe would be a good first one. But then I was like, man. And again, I eat meat, but something in that moment, I saw this this doe with her two yearlings, and I was like, I don't want, I don't, like, am I get, and I, I think ultimately I would have taken the shot, but there was part of me that was like, this would be sad, like, the first <laughs> one I take, like, they're clearly with this doe, like, they're following it, and I know they'll be fine, like, they're wild animals, they've got instincts and yeah. stuff, but I was like, I'll just use the excuse that I'm waiting for a buck before I take this one. Here's the deal, conservation departments understand the viability as far as fawns go and the recruitment rate once they get to a certain age, like how well they can survive. And there's a reason that we can't hunt deer when they're fawning. You know, like you can't shoot does with spots. Most places you can't shoot a bear that's got a cub with it, even if it looks like it's a little bit farther along. If it's got a cub with it that is still dependent on the mother, you can't shoot it. And so there's these management rules and strategies and techniques that they've put in place to protect that and so really once a once a fawn can like run and can eat on its own it, it's going to survive most of the time you know it might get picked off by a coyote but there's mature bucks that also get picked off by coyotes yeah and so once we get that far into season these these fawns can survive on their own yeah well, and, and that's why I said, ultimately, I think I was going to take the shot because at that point, that was the first deer since season had started that was like, okay, I, I might actually get the chance to shoot something. So I was just excited to see anything. Oh, yeah. But they did come from, from downwind and the doe. I actually, it was interesting because I, I haven't watched a ton of hunting shows and stuff, but it was very much like I could see her putting her, putting her nose up in the air. I'm like, oh, she smells something's off and she kind of bounced out after they had hung out for a while and then the two yearlings were just oblivious. Like they were just yep. taking their time and I'm like, okay, you guys, like you guys will learn, I guess, you know, her mom's got better instincts, but, um, so yeah, so I'd been scouting this place for a long time and wasn't seeing much other than that. And so then I texted Isaac and I was, cause again, he's the one that had been scouting this place in like the year previous, there was another area where there was some mature, mature oak trees and I hadn't been to that area yet, but he dropped a pin on the Onyx app and he was like, hey, it might not be a bad idea to just check out this spot. Like it was a year ago, but I, you know, I know there are acorns up there. Maybe you should check that out. And so I was like, okay, like I hear early in the season, acorns are a good thing. And so I went out, um, I had one night uh, where I did see a deer. It was a young buck, but it was like after dark. And it was literally as I'm like, putting my stuff away <laughs> and then I hear something underneath me and of course I've got my headlight on so I look down and this guy's standing up on his his back hooves just like eating acorns out of the tree that I'm in I'm like you dummy like why couldn't you just came like I mean he he I think he used maybe like a little like two or four point he was yeah. probably would have passed on anyway but again I was like okay that gave me a little bit of reassurance that it wasn't my smell I like at least he came and approached the tree yeah and so I'm like okay like maybe there's hope for me yet maybe you know I'm not doing everything completely wrong so then the next day out was when it was 23 degrees and so and it, and it had been like a week since I had seen that happen uh life's been busy so I wasn't able to get out like every day 
So like a week goes by and I come back out and I go over to that spot and there's some acorns on the ground, but it's like, like not even a 10th of a mile from where I parked the car. And I was like, maybe, maybe it'd be better to go back into that spot that Isaac told me about. Like there's like a mile in. And so I was like, I'll go ahead and head that way. And I found another spot before that where I saw some acorns. I saw some droppings on the ground and I was like, you know what? They don't look very fresh. The acorns there's not, they're old. I'm just going to go ahead. Something just told me maybe go a little bit deeper. So then I hike and I'm literally like 1.1 miles away from the car. And I just found this spot and it's where they had cut through the woods. Yep. Um, and it was just thousands of acorns just Dude. all over the ground. There's no better crop to hunt over than acorns when they're dropping. Like I'm telling you, if you can find oak trees that are just dumping them yeah. on a good ma- on a good year, it's, it's lights out, man. So question on that. These acorns looked very fresh. Is it better, like the fresher the better? Do the the deer prefer, or does it matter? They'll eat them until there's no acorns left on the ground. Like you go through the woods right now, and you'd be hard pressed to find acorns. Yeah. Even though like there's oak trees everywhere, they Hmm. get they get foraged. Yeah. And they will continue to eat them. I mean, they just love those things. Yeah, apparently. So. There were, like I said, thousands of acorns, and I could kind of see, you know, I've been learning to look for, like, the game trails coming through. I'm like, there's been some traffic through here. I didn't see a lot of droppings on there. You call it deer, like, droppings or scat, or what do you, what's the? Whatever. Okay. I mean, yeah, you can, there's a thousand, you know. How I'm trying is. to learn the lingo, you know, so I keep up and sound like I know what I'm talking about. But, uh, so, I uh, I was like, man, I think I think this is a good spot, and the and so I, I got set up, and it was also nice, the tree I climbed, because I don't have any aiders or anything on my climbing sticks. Yep. And so, but this tree kind of forked at the bottom, and there were some knots, some, like, holes I could step in, so I actually didn't start using my climbing sticks. So that was also the highest I had gotten up into a tree. I don't know if that actually mattered or not, but looking back, since I ended up getting a deer, it was like, oh, maybe it was because I was higher, like, <laughs> I'm, out of... I'm, I'm uh, hunting at that height forever yeah, now. Yeah, that's the that. minimum. Yep. But I got up in there, and uh, it felt good. Like, I felt like I was in a good spot. But, of course, it's cold, and I had, like, I was warm, except I didn't have insulated socks on. I'm giving you all these pieces because, at this point, you know, after a few hours and your toes are cold because you didn't have insulated socks on and you're sitting up here in a saddle and I keep, you like, you kind of do the thing where you, like, you slack it out a little bit and then you put your knees against the tree yep. and then you stand back up. And I'm like, man, I'm moving a ton, but I'm just like, I can't get comfortable. And then come to find also, come to find out also that uh, one of my relatives that lives out of the country texted me at, like, four o'clock and they're like hey we're coming through springfield do you want to do dinner at lambert's at eight o'clock and i'm like man sunset's like six thirty or something i can't remember what time sunset was As it was it was yeah. pretty obviously not as early as it is now but i was like you know what like i'm not seeing anything maybe like there were all of these things planting seeds of doubt that maybe i'm not cut out for hunting like because i'm not seeing much uh it's cold I hadn't seen any deer. Like, I hadn't seen anything the whole day. Yep. Um, and so there's all these things that are making me feel. And I was like, you know what? There's only an hour left before sunset. I'm just going to go ahead and hang out. And I'm I'm sitting there in the tree. Oh, also, this is another thing. Sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. No, I'm trying good. to organize my thoughts. Another thing, too, is that I've learned through some just doing some research and stuff is the, like, I, need, I had to go to the bathroom. I had, I had to take a piss. 
And apparently, like, that doesn't deter the bucks. And so, and some people even say, like, they'll come in and smell it and stuff. So I was like, Dude, there's hey. people who take dumps out of their tree. Like, if, if worse comes know. to worse, I, I've never done it. I've been in the tree long enough that, like, surely I've had to. But <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't done that. But my first deer I killed minutes after taking a piss off of the yeah. tree. So well, I, I don't it, think it deters them at all. So that's the thing, though, is I took the piss and, and, and right out of the, out of the saddle and now maybe that's another thing i gotta have that minimum height and i gotta piss on the ground yeah, underneath dude, this. you're set you're you're never gonna miss a deer i'm again. writing all these things down and this is gonna be my new procedure but i'm playing obviously if you guys can't <laughs> tell i'm a very sarcastic person people that know me they're listening they're just like yeah, yeah that's standard but um so you know it took a leak and then i'm texting my wife and i'm just like letting her know like hey i think i'm gonna go ahead and hang out and at that point, the family member coming through, something came up. They weren't going to be able to do dinner, so they canceled. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and stay out here. And I like, so I pull my phone out of my pocket, and I'm texting my wife, and then I hear movement, and I kind of see something right in front of me. And, of course, in the saddle, I'm hanging from the tree, but, like, just beyond the tree that's in front of me, there's a buck. And, like, I didn't take the time to count it, and everybody told me that you're going to freak out and your adrenaline's going to kick <laughs> yeah. in. And I was like, oh, there's a deer there. I'm acting in my head. I'm like, I'm not freaking out. I'm so cool-headed <laughs> right now. And I slide my phone in my pocket. I'm like, it's just a deer. Just move, move slowly. You've been practicing in the backyard. Like yeah, I'm like really tell, like I really felt calm. But something I didn't think about was um, – putting my release actually attached to my bow yeah and so i was like i had to get that and like and the deer would look up and then you freeze and then he goes back down puts his head down and i've got some branches kind of cut concealing me a little bit and so then it's like and then i get it knocked and i'm like all set up and then i'm like and then it starts to hit me a little bit like okay like i didn't count but that looks like a pretty decent buck like i know this is one that i'm going to shoot if i get the shot and he's maybe like 13 to 15 yards away from me. Dang. And, uh, well, that was the other thing, too, is, like, how fast he just appeared out of nowhere. Uh, dude. And it just blew my mind. There are ghosts in and out. I mean, sometimes you see them from a 1,000 yards away, and sometimes they are licking the tree that you're in yeah. before you know they're there. And so he um, – He's coming, he's facing at me, and then he starts to walk from right in front of me, kind of over to my left and closer to the tree that I'm in. And so as he's walking, and I'm like, I keep hearing in the back of my head stories of people saying that, like, they drew too early, and then you get tired. Like, what if he freezes and he's behind a branch, you don't have a shot? So, like, I'm overanalyzing just the crap out of everything. Like, okay, I need to wait. And so then he's, he's walking, not fast, but he's, again, he's walking to my left, which is convenient on your strong side when you're hanging from a tree in front right-handed and so he's getting to a point where he's about to be in a break in the branches just perfectly to my left and so I go ahead and I'm like all right here it comes and then rewind when people were I had a couple people I went to um what is it Springfield Archery Complex on the south side of town and there's this guy Mark he's older guy that's been hunting for decades and he was giving me some points and everybody that's the bow hunting is the whole thing with like the thumb release of 
you put the pressure on the thumb, you get it almost to that breaking point, and then you kind of rock the fingers back, and it's supposed to surprise you. And so I feel like in the backyard, in a controlled environment, I had been doing such a good job with that. When it came to this point, I was drawn back, and the deer hit that window, and there were two things that I remember. I remember, one, completely forcing it with the thumb. I'm like, I need this arrow to go right now. I'm not going to be surprised because I – and it was only, you know, 11 yards away from me at this point. So I'm like, I, I don't think it'll impact it Your that room much. for error is – pretty I yeah. mean you have a, a large window that you can hit at that point yeah and well and then the other piece of that is is like listening to your stories when you're t- like you kind of you'd like grunt at it and in my head I'm like I feel like I'm supposed to do that because he's walking <laughs> but he has no idea I'm here and yeah. he's like right here and I've got him sighted in like what if I do that and it just freaks him out and he he gets spooked and he runs away so I'm terrified so I I decide not to. I was like, I think I'll just, I'll just shoot him while he's walking. And so then I go ahead, and like I said, I completely force the shot. All the, all the practice and everything was out the window. It's like, I need to hit right now. I've yeah. got a small window. He's walking away from me now. And so I shoot, and then I see the arrow go in, and it looks like it's kind of like, farther back from where I wanted to hit him. And I guess there's some time while he's walking away and everything. But I see the arrow go through, and I know I hit him, and then I see the arrow on the ground, and then he kind of takes off and goes into the woods. And then immediately just the adrenaline dump, (laughs) dump, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm shaking. (laughs) My hands are trembling, and I'm just like – and there's just, like, so much adrenaline. And so then I'm trying to text Shannon, and I'm like, I just shot a buck. And she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. But then it's like, okay – like I don't I don't know if if I hit the vitals or did I hit him in the gut? Like do I need to wait? But then it's also the sun's going down, so it's gonna be like pitch black in forty five to fifty minutes. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, and is there gonna be a blood trail? Like all this stuff that I've never done before and people have told me and in theory, but it's like, man, you still I gotta like track this thing down. I don't know how far it went. I saw him go, and it was thick on the other side of the cut. Like, it was thick, thick woods. Lots of underbrush, undergrowth. And so then I'm like, well, because then also things you don't talk about. I was like, well, do I leave my stuff here, or do I bring my stuff with me? And so I was like, it's going to take me a half hour to clean all this stuff up, like to take all the sticks down. I'm still, you know, this is probably only the sixth time I'd actually climbed up in the tree. So I'm like... I'm going to go ahead and take all my stuff down, and surely that'll hopefully give it enough time that it's laying down dying someplace. And so I go ahead and climb down to the bottom, like, okay, like, this is it. So I get my flashlight out, and I'm looking around everywhere. And uh, and then every I have all these people that are such great resources and encouraging and stuff. My father-in-law is, like, texting my wife, and she's texting, like, hey, Dad, you know, he's saying you should do this and, like, look for this. And I'm like, I got it. But at this point, too, since it's cold, my phone's at, like, 11%. Oh, yeah. And so it's dying. And I'm, like, luckily I've got, like, the flashlight and the headlight. And I find a little bit of blood. I'm like, okay, that's promising. There's blood. And... um I'm like, I I can't find like a good steady trail of blood, but I know what direction he's in. I'm like, I'm just going to go that way and hopefully find a better, you know, a better trail. Yeah. And, uh, and I find it, I find the better trail. And then I look up and then I see it 
and it's just laying in the ground. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's right there. Oh, and then dude. I'm freaking out. I'm like, is it is it still alive? Like, is it dead? Did I get him like all the way? Because he's he's kind of laying in an up position. Like he's on his side, but his head and everything is upright, and I could see the glow of his eyes and the flashlight. And so then I'm just watching. I'm like, I don't think it's breathing. And I was, at this point, I think I was on the phone with Shannon. And I was like, I don't think he's breathing. I think I got him, babe. And so then I go up, and there's just blood everywhere. He had blood coming out of his snout and everything. So, uh, And then I'm like, well, shoot. Like, And I think of myself, like I'm not a small person. I'm like, well, I'm just going to haul this whole thing out. Yeah. And then someone was like, you should probably gut it. It's going to make it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. But I've never gutted a deer before. Like, I had seen videos, and, like, I've grown up in the poultry industry, so I'm not, like, afraid of eviscerating an animal, but it's just, like, something I had never done before. And so, like, you might laugh at me, but I literally, I was like, I've got 11% left on my battery, but I pulled up a YouTube video and then I got my knives out and I'm like, I got like my nitrile gloves on and I just start like, okay, like here it goes. Like, uh, watch the YouTube video and like trying to pause it with my nose because like my <laughs> hands are just covered in blood. And then Shannon's, I'm like, babe, I appreciate it. I love everything. Like it's great advice, but like I have to get this done and my phone's about to die. So I like need every minute of battery to make sure I get this thing gutted and yeah. not like puncture and get feces all over the meat. And so, uh, so I was trying to be real meticulous and everything. And then um, I eventually got to a point where it was getting dark. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I did most of the things right. And then I just got to a point where I just shoved my arms all the way up in there and just started, like, pulling the stomach and everything out. I was like, I just need to get out of here. Like, I just yep. need to get this thing back to the car and get home because it was going to get late. So then, again, me thinking of myself like the – strong big athlete that I am like oh this is gonna be a cakewalk like I'm a strong guy like I can haul a deer and dead weight is very different than like lifting weights in the weight room oh yeah and uh especially like pulling it through the woods where there's like tree branches or oh I forgot to mention it was an eight point buck pretty decent yeah. size dude it was a so, great buck man I was <sighs> I was out west traveling not yeah. really doing a lot of hunting when you called and you sent me the picture, and I'm like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. that is his first deer. Yeah. He went out, and he figured this out. He just got a bow. He got a saddle. Like, he went out on public land. Like, that is super high up on the scale of difficulty. And then to walk away with a mature buck is, I mean, that doesn't happen. There's yeah. a lot of people who hunt for a long time without shooting a deer like that. And it and I feel for them because I felt discouraged after just like a couple of weeks. So props to them for sticking with it. But that yeah. yeah, that's what I've heard is there's a ton of people that have been doing it for years and they've never even shot a deer or had one close enough to them. But they probably need to you know make sure they're at that minimum height. Yeah, pee out of the stand, out of stand and you be know texting yeah the wife texting yeah. the wife. So. Um, but yeah, so then I just I'm like, well, like, what's do I just grab this grab life by the horns, right? So I grab the antlers and I'm just trying to pull this thing through the woods and I'm like, man, and this is just it. It was only about fifty to sixty yards into the woods from where my bag was, but I still had to go back to the woods or back to my bag, get all my stuff, and then somehow try to like I got to take pictures, and of course I'm yeah. by myself, so I just like in my phone's about to die, so I think I set it up and like to take a video. And so then I'm, like, trying to do all these awkward poses, and then I could just take screenshots of it later, which isn't the best quality, but it worked. And then uh, – so then I'm, like, man, like, okay, 
um, I forgot I'm 1.1 miles away from the car and now I've got this, I don't know however many pounds this deer feels. I don't know what a normal, it was a pretty decent size. I feel like it was at least a couple hundred pounds. I don't know what a normal buck. It's for around here. It's probably like 150 to 180. Oh, I would that, guess. that makes me feel worse. Cause it was, it felt really heavy. They but, always do, okay. man. I've, I've hauled deer out. And they've just felt like 500 pounds. Dude, it was. And then I, like this year, we had fresh snow in Wisconsin, and I was manhandling deer. Yeah. Up and down these hills, man. Well, you're on a four wheeler, weren't you? Well, uh, to get it to where I could get it from the <laughs> four wheeler, I still had to drag it a little ways. Okay. But it's like you could almost ride the deer down the hill oh, on um, the snow. Like, yeah. I mean, they just slid. But, dude, dead weight is no joke. And, yeah, I mean, to shoot. To to have a field dress buck around here that's two hundred pounds is a pretty big deal. Like they they just don't get that much mass on them as far as body weight goes. But okay, just just go with like two eighty. Two eighty. It was yeah. two eighty for sure. It felt like it. And so then at first again, like so that that point I've got like a day pack on, and again the the stuff I got was entry level, and yeah. I, if, and also I had spent all my fun money. I actually had to sell a pistol to buy the bow and then I didn't have any fun money left to like spend on like the really nice saddles. So I got kind of an entry level and it was again, great, worked great, but it's heavier material, really yep. solid, really sturdy. So I've got the, the pack on with my four climbing sticks and the platform and then all the rope. And then you've got like your binos, your bow, like you've got all the gear. And then I'm also trying to haul this deer and so then it turns into like what's the like you're looking at uh what's what's the most convenient way to pull this deer out. So at first yeah. I'm just, you know, grabbing it by the antlers and just pulling it. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. So then I took a a couple of the climbing ropes from my climbing setup and tied them around the antlers and then made a strap that I could put around my chest. And I'm like, this is gonna be the best way. And so I just had it strapped kind of like a messenger bag strap across my chest and just started just marching with like basically a weighted sled behind me. And that was working well, but still, I mean, and it was, I'm not trying to sound like that guy that's just like making up a, a, a you know, making the story more dramatic, but yeah. it, it was mostly uphill. Yeah. And it was also like, there was a Creek to cross and I was like, man, the deer's going to get wet. And I know that's going to make it like, in my head, it probably wasn't that much, but I'm like, that's got to be some water weight that it's picking. Like, every, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 and I'm like, who can I call at this point? It's like 9:30 at night, which doesn't sound that late, but I mean, it's pitch black outside, and yeah. I'm, you know, 40 minutes away from Springfield, and then maybe it's only 30 drive, whatever. But then it's also like I'm a mile into the woods, so I'm like, there's nobody I can call to help. And I was like, I also feel like this is probably just my initiation into hunting. Like you shot it, it's your job. You got to haul it out. The work, man. You got to put in the work. Yeah. But then I also I got to a point. I was like, well, this bag's pretty heavy. Like, do I leave the deer and then I'll hike up, take my bag to the car, and then come back and do two trips? I was like, I don't want to do two trips. No. Like it's like is is a man a dad gonna take more than one trip from the car to the house with all the groceries? No. Like no, you do it all in one trip. So I was like the the pack and the deer, everything's going. I'm just gonna man up and just take it out of here. And then it was like I started having to get into it, like treating it like it was a workout. Where I was like I'm gonna take 30 steps and then I'll breathe for like 20 seconds. And then I would like start putting these timers on myself because I was like I just gotta like do little chunk at yeah. a time because. 
at the at one point I was standing at the bottom of a hill and you couldn't even see the top because it was just like one of those long slow inclines. Kind of rambling, sorry, no, but it's just great. like this is the the whole experience for me. So, um, but then yeah, so then I uh, eventually get it back to the car and I'm just pumped. And then of course I'm driving my uh, my company vehicle. It's a Ford Transit, and so I've just got like the little like cargo carrier on the back that yep. you put a cooler in and i'm like if this doesn't say redneck on it like just driving this <laughs> thing with this buck strapped down to the back of my ford transit and then i like go through the hardy's drive-through because i'm hungry I've, so I've, been, great. I've been out there since like one o'clock in the afternoon and so then i go through the hardy's drive-through on the way home and uh of course like they didn't have it was like taking too long to make the fries. So like, oh, can you pull around the front? We'll bring your food out to you. Because if they're just looking through the window, they probably wouldn't see it. So then the lady comes out and she's bringing my food and she's like peeking at the back of my car. She's like, you, you got a deer. And I was just <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. And I'm all jacked out. Like, yeah. like, like, yeah, first one, you know, first time bow hunting and all this stuff. She's like, well, good, good job. Like super hesitant. Like, I don't know <laughs> if she was weirded out because there was a dead animal or just like, like, probably something she'd maybe never seen in the Hardee's drive-thru but <laughs> so then I get it home and I'm just like I gotta I think I called you and I was like what do I like is it okay to leave it out overnight because at this point all the places that you'd take your deer are closed and uh so I'm like how do I hang this thing like I don't have a pulley I don't have a good place so I just like throw a rope over a branch and get it a little bit off the ground and again, it was cold that night, so we didn't have to worry about too much. But it was hilarious the next morning. My daughter, Jacqueline, she's seven. She came out on her way to school. And she's, again, like we've talked to her about like where her chicken comes from. I've showed her videos, like again, because I'm in the poultry industry all the time. And so it's like, she's not, she's not afraid of like, this is, she knew what I was doing and that we were going to eat it. So it wasn't yeah. like she was sad about it. But the first thing she comes out, and of course, you know, I gutted it. And so everything in its, between its lower legs is missing. She's like, mom, isn't that a boy deer? What happened to its penis? <laughs> She's like, did dad touch its penis with his hands? I am not touching his hands today. And it's just like, like Jackie, like I had gloves on, like, uh, like everything was fine. Like I washed my hands. She's like, okay. But it was just hilarious. And the things that kids come up with, like that is, that's the most concerning thing to in that moment is dad touched the deer's penis with oh, its hands. Yeah, how gross, dad. But it's funny though, because she said that and it was hilarious, but she would get super embarrassed if she hears me like telling the story. Like years from now, she'll look back and hear this and she'll probably think it's funny. But um, yeah, so then took it to shrocks up in buffalo and got it processed and now we've got a bunch of deer sauce it's awesome like it's so good and earlier you were talking about us being like you know our eyes facing forward us being predators top of the food chain and it felt so awesome afterwards i was like like when i'm sitting there gutting it out in the field out in the woods it was like i just felt like a predator like i did yeah. like i ambushed it you know, like, because part of me was like, oh, man, that was only 11 yards. Like, that's not a hard shot. And I was like, yeah, but I did all the right things. It wasn't during the rut. So it wasn't like this guy was just trying to get some action and not thinking straight. It was yeah. like, it was early season. And, like, I did all the right things. Like, I was an ambush predator, and I got him, and it just felt, it was, felt awesome. Like, I felt like, you know. Some of my most favorite memories from the woods are when 
I can see an animal. And then you you go into that mode where you're like keeping your eyes on the animal, but you're still like moving, right? Whether you're in a tree or like this year for me, it was a doe that I would I had to go back and get my rifle because it was down the hill from me. And I was like having to watch where I was going, but also keep my eyes on this hmm. deer and only move when it couldn't see me and trying to be quiet enough. And I love that style of hunting, no matter what it is for deer or like I've been in that position multiple times with turkey where it's like watching a lion yeah. move through the grass or uh-huh. a leopard going after an impala and the head pops up on the animal and all of a sudden it freezes. Yeah. And it's like we instinctively do that. Like it's in us to do that and we understand how to how to work and how to just like use our body in that moment to where we're not going to spook it off. And it doesn't work every time, just like, you know, yeah. a lion doesn't kill something every time it hunts. Yeah, it's like one out of ten or something like that. Yeah, but, but like, when you're in that, it, it, it's so primal and instinctual, and it's just a cool, cool feeling. And there's, yeah. there's so many people who are like, dude, why are you so into hunting? Like, why is this such a big deal? And I always go back to that, like, we, as humans have hunted for our entire existence and we've done that longer than we've done any other habit aside from procreating right like i mean that's what we've done forever and and so i think everybody has some of that in them you know some people have a very watered down version of that or you know not much left at all but there's there's instinct that goes into a lot of it and i I'm a much better hunter. I'm a much better shot when I just go off of instinct and I hmm. don't let my mind race and get the better of me. Yeah. So, dude, that's like the coolest feeling. Yeah, ever. it was it was definitely a sensation I'd never experienced before. Cuz like, you know, I don't know, I grew up in the country, so there was always like you know, dealing with possums and stuff like that. They're trying yeah. to get to your chickens and raccoons and whatever, but just like the the process of planning something out and gathering all this information, learning all of the things and then executing it and it finally working. And again, I guess that's a good point. Like I make jokes. I'm like, Oh, I'm one for one on shooting deer. Like, but it also, I mean, that was like six or seven times before I even had one close enough. And, yeah. and again, I was starting to get kind of discouraged. So it was like, just stick it out. And then eventually, you know, hopefully it, I shouldn't say it will, because I guess there have people been doing it for years, but you know, you just got to get the height, pee, go seven times, yep. and the, the buck will just materialize right in front of you. Yeah. But it, I mean, there there's so much that goes into that. And there's going to be times where you fail or, you know, you you mess up and you spook a deer off and, and you don't ever get a shot, even though you could have, or you just do one thing wrong. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going to – you're going to figure it out and you're going to learn from it. And that's the biggest thing. If you can, if you can learn every time that you're out there, if you can be a student of what you're doing and the animals you're chasing and the habitat they live in, you're going to be better off for it at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about hunting is like, you're never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And the element of failure added into it is what makes success so great. Like if you were just guaranteed success, hunting wouldn't be as much of a thrill. You wouldn't get that adrenaline done. Yeah, yeah, would just true. be like, oh, here we go. Just pulling the trigger. Yeah. It's going to die. You know, sending the arrow. It's going to be a perfect shot. The, the fact that you can fail, and public land especially, 
having no idea what could come through at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I love not knowing. And it's like, I could be out here and not see a single thing. Hmm. But it makes it that much better when you catch a tail flick through the woods at yeah. 200 yards. You know, it like resets your your patience level almost. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like you get discouraged and you have to be mentally tough for it. Uh, sitting in a tree stand that long and being uncomfortable and having cold toes or cold fingers, but but forcing yourself to become comfortable in the discomfort yeah. is it's all part of it, man. There's and and I'm sure for you in that moment dragging the deer out, you're like, this is never going to end. Like it's oh my gosh, all right, thirty steps and then twenty twenty seconds of breathing and then thirty steps and twenty seconds of breathing. But then you get done with it, and you're like, I would start that drag all over again right now. Yeah. Because, you know, the the pain and the suffering and the discomfort is temporary. Yes. But you're, you're going to look back and remember that, but you're never going to fully remember mm-hmm. that. But you will remember that moment right after you sent oh, the yeah. arrow. And yeah. you're going you're gonna to be able to feel that randomly you'll be thinking about it and be like oh my gosh dude yeah that was the greatest like i want that feeling again. yeah yeah that's shannon was super pumped super excited for me really proud of me and all that uh but then she's like yeah you've you you're all in now like yep. you're just and i'm like yeah i can unfortunately i had a little bit of a leg injury so that's kind of preventing me from like doing rifles because that was the other thing too is i stuff i didn't know is during rifle season, if you buy the rifle tags, you could still, because boat arc is archery only. I was like, man, I feel like I got my little honey hole back there. Like, if nobody goes that deep into the woods, that that's going to be a great place that even during rifle season, maybe I'll just keep bow hunting because, you know, like, I'm not, I I guess it'd be good to learn rifle hunting too, but, like, right now I feel like I've learned something and I'm hooked on it. Like, I I just can't stop thinking about it. And so... I think shooting one with a rifle will be fun, but like right now, I'm just completely like just infatuated with bow hunting. It's for some reason hunting is one of those things that you make it harder on yourself, and it's more accomplishing, hmm. right? So you see the progression of hunters. It's very rare that people start with like a recurve bow and then advance to a compound and then advance to a rifle. Normally, it's the opposite way. You don't see that with anything else. Hmm. You know, you don't see a baseball player going from like, hey, man, I want to I want to use this bat that's going to allow me to crush it out of the park. And now I'm going to go with a much lighter bat and then a lighter bat and a lighter bat. You don't see it with golf where it's like, hey, I've got this really amazing driver. And now I'm going to go to the thrift store and get one that's going to make it more difficult. But for some reason with hunting there's so much more accomplishment when you do it a harder way. Hmm. And I don't understand it. I don't know why we're wired that way, but there is, man. Like, I would love to spear a deer. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Like, That'd be awesome. And and just the, the fact that you have to be so close. Yeah. You know, like, everybody has the capability of shooting 500 yards. I mean, it... They may not know how to right now, but with a little bit of practice, you could. Yeah. And for some reason, it just feels more rewarding and like a a greater accomplishment when you shoot a deer with a bow Hmm. than when you shoot a rifle. And don't get me wrong. I love rifle hunting. I'll always rifle hunt. 
I'll never give that up because it like that's what I grew up with. I I think it's great, but bow hunting is my passion now and I'll forever do it. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's just it's a weird way that we're wired. It might also be the type of people that are willing to endure sitting out, being patient. It's like it's already a challenge in and of itself. Just the cold, the patience, like overcoming just like there's there's all the things you might not even see a deer so maybe once you get that kind of notch in your belt like you're looking for the next challenge and maybe because the people that are drawn to just getting into hunting in the first place have something in them that just wants that next challenge yeah so yeah you want to push yourself i mean and and that's what's great about it like there's a lot of people who are like, man, I, I just want to shoot a bigger buck than I did last year. It's harder. You know, the more mature, the older a deer gets, the smarter they are. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that for the longest time, one and two-year-old bucks made up the majority of the deer that were killed because they're easy to shoot. But you see people like with quality deer management wanting to harvest more mature bucks and they're setting age structure and limits for themselves. Like, hey, I'm only going to shoot a three-and-a-half-year-old deer or older or a four-and-a-half-year-old deer or older and it's the same thing with like stalking animals Hmm. you know out west people set their limits for archery way farther out Hmm. but when you can like stalk into an animal at 10 yards there's there's just a great feeling about it versus crazy spotting it at 600 yards pulling out the rifle shooting it don't get me wrong there's a great sense of accomplishment that happened for me this year yeah and it was amazing But I guarantee I wouldn't feel nearly as accomplished having done that as I would if I walked up to the animal, if I crept and got into that predator mode like we talked about and was like within range of like throwing a rock at it, you know, that that's a whole different level. And I can't I can't even imagine the the spot and stock side of things like there's guys who do that with whitetails, which blows my mind Hmm. and. They'll, they'll just creep in on one. They'll find one bedded, and they'll just slowly move in, and they'll sit and wait for hours until it stands up to go to feed at night. And That's crazy. It's like you gotta be, you got to be on high alert for hours. Yeah. You know, at any minute, that buck could get up and shift positions, move 10 yards, get into the shade, and you just have to be ready. And there's something so intriguing about it. Yeah. So on that note, Shifting complete gears, I hope it's okay. Like I said, I bounce around a lot. Dude, go for but it. it reminds me, I didn't get a turkey this spring, but when I was out there, I, like, I got some decoys off of Marketplace and stuff. Like I was like, oh, I'm trying to do all the right things for turkey hunting and everything. And all of the toms I saw, like I would go out the night before and I'd scout and I'd see where they were roosting. So I'm like, okay, they're sleeping in that tree. I'm going to come set up. And they would, of course, just go down on the opposite side. And yeah. I, I actually think that maybe the decoys I had out, maybe it kind of spooked them or something. I'm not sure. But they had hens with them. So they were not, they weren't coming to they the decoy. They had no desire. Yeah, yeah. They, they had everything they needed. And so, um, again, I'm just talking about stuff that I had learned. Like, I don't know what half of the things I'm saying. But, like, shot gobbling, where basically people were like, yeah, if you've got, like, a crow call or a hoot owl or something, like, you just blast that early season and they'll gobble back. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I went to Bass Pro, got a crow call. But getting back into the stalking, like what you were talking about, is 
I was like, man, I'm not seeing anything out here. So I just like do the crow call and then it, like hear the turkeys and I'm like, and it was almost like a call and response thing where yeah. I was like, oh, I know there's one over there. So I would do it. And then I'd walk that way and wait about 10 minutes. And then I'd, you know, blow on the crow call again and he'd respond. And I, because I was like, I don't want, I don't know if he'd get desensitized to it or not. So I'm like, I'm going to leave some distance in between. But I eventually got to a point where it sounded like he was really close. So I'm like on my belly crawling, (laughs) trying like, I know he's right over there. And uh, no, but like I ended up not getting him. When I got close enough, he was in some thick stuff in the woods. I couldn't see him and. There was no way I could approach him, but it was still like, it felt so cool. Like, hey, like I located him using a trick that like I had just heard of and was able to like, I mean, I started like probably a couple hundred yards away from him and like moved in on him and at least had a chance better than just sitting in one spot. But uh, yeah, so I can't imagine you're talking about like people stalking like from hundreds of yards away and then getting that close especially like a deer in like open plains or something. Uh, I don't know. It's all a thrill. It's all fun. Dude, I, I stalked a deer. When was that? Last season with my bow. And it it was an unintentional stalk, right? I didn't know the deer was there. But I said, hey, I'm going to creep through the woods. I'm not going to be here for a couple weeks. And normally we call it the sanctuary and we don't we don't enter the woods at all. I mean, aside from like going two trees into set up uh we don't we don't go deep into their cover because they hang out in bed in there but i was like hey i'm gonna be gone for a little while so it'll allow time for for things to settle down after i've disturbed the place and i was like i'm just gonna go in there and see what i can find and i i walked through the woods and my buddy drew is with and i'm coming back he's probably 50 yards from me but he can't see this deer at all and i'm walking and i look and there's there's a doe at like 80 yards bedded down and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to see how close I can get. And I'm just like slow walking, like watching every step, like the lightest footsteps I can mm. do. I got into 20 yards on this doe, and it it felt so amazing, man. Yeah. It was just the coolest thing to get that close to it. And all I mean, it was bedded down facing away from me so I could see the back of the head and the ears and mm-hmm. like the spine and butt, but I wasn't going to take a shot, you know, like, yeah, maybe I could have shot through the neck or like through the back of the he- head, but it's just not something that I typically do. So I was just sitting there watching it and I'm like, oh, this is the coolest thing. And I don't remember what happened if, if something spooked it or if the wind shifted, but eventually she like stood up and turned around, and I was just frozen staring at her, and then she kind of trotted off. She didn't, like, bolt out of there, but yeah. she definitely moved with purpose. But that type of thing, man, if I – this year, late season, so I've got one week left to hunt here. I know the season goes into middle of January, but I'm only in town for seven more days. If if I get a cell camera picture of a buck that goes into the sanctuary – during daylight or like that morning, even if it's at 2 a.m., if I see them go in and not come out, I'm going to try to try to get in there and stalk one. Yeah. I think it would be so fun. That would be awesome. And so rewarding. And I'll probably blow it, but it'll be it'll be a learning experience. You've got to get some, sure. like, special stocking boots that, like, don't make noise. Uh... Dude, just take my shoes off. Oh, there you go. There's, there's guys that do that all the time. Yeah. They're like, yeah, dude, I take my boots off, and then I, I walk 
in my socks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but like, I'll just move a little bit slower, I guess. Yeah. So I think, I think that could be a really fun style of hunting. Yeah. But for sure. where we're at, you know, like the spots that I'm at, that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I hunt, it's like at this point in the year, there's nothing. There's no cover in the fields at all, or you have woods. And so there's, not the you don't have the ability to see them in tall grass bed down and then go after them and so this is just going to be like i'm pretty sure he's still in here he could have gone north or west and i wouldn't catch him on camera uh-huh. but if i think that he's in there i'm going for it and i think it would be the most rewarding hunt yeah that i've done that'd be awesome so keep we'll me see, posted man. You you just tore your ACL. No, uh, Achilles. Your Achilles. I mean, yeah, one of those so days. You're kind of done now for the year, right? Yeah, I well, and we've got a lot of other things. We're moving in a month, and then my wife just started her third trimester. We got a baby girl coming in March, so it's like technically in two weeks I'll have a walking boot, but it's gonna be like with a big heel on it, and yeah. I don't know how mobile. But like I said, there's a lot of other things going on right now, so so maybe I'll get out again. I would love to, but there's just a lot going on. Yeah, and I'm still kind of riding the high of that buck, especially because just this last week I finally got the European mount back. Yeah. And so and now I'm looking at your wall, and I was like, man, I got a long way to go because we're we're moving, and Shannon uh, is giving me like there's like this room off to the side. And she's kind of given that to me that I can like kind of make that sort of like this setup yeah. where it's like I can put like, you know, I can put the European mount on the wall, maybe have some like whiskeys on the mantle and like some couches, like a little men's seating area. Um, so I'm excited about that, but I need I need more hardware to put on the wall. Yeah, dude, it, it'll come, man. I mean, this right here, what you're looking at is years and years of hunting and it's not just mine i mean i think i counted i have like 75 percent of these up here which feels pretty good knowing yeah. like once i move all my stuff it's gonna be it's not gonna look as good but like they're all gonna be mine yeah and i mean these are these you know yeah they're they're trophies for me but also every time i look at them i'm like i remember yeah, where I was when I shot that deer. I For remember sure. what direction the wind was blowing. I remember the entire encounter. Like I could tell you exactly what happened. I I would probably mess up on the times and how long you know the deer was there because time goes out the window oh, yeah. when you're out there. You know, it it feels like oh, three days that you're sitting there watching this deer waiting for it to get in, and really it was like a minute and a half. On but, mine, I felt like it was the opposite. I felt yeah. like it was five seconds because it was like, oh my gosh. It's right there. I got to get ready. And then, oh, he's, he's leaving. Okay. Like, like, but it was probably, I think it was probably about a minute and a half, two minutes or something like that. But dude, I can't wait till you have one of those hunts where you see the deer from a long way off and you're like, dude, ah. oh my gosh, he's got to take like this two degree window yeah. and he'll be within range at some point. If he goes anywhere else in the 358 degrees, like I'm not going to get a shot. Sheesh. And the anticipation on that just drives you nuts, man. It, it probably worked in my favor that I didn't have as much time to freak out yeah. about it. Like if I had seen him a couple hundred yards off, I probably would have been like psyching myself out a little bit. Like, you know, when you're getting ready to do some cliff jumping and you yep. stare at it for too long. Oh yeah. And so it's like, 
okay, like it didn't give me time. It was like, it's there, it's go time. Like now, I gotta get this done now. And Dude, I, I like that way more. Yeah. I would much rather it be like, oh crap, here's a deer, I gotta shoot it. As far as filming goes, like that's the worst. You oh, know, I'm you sure. wanna create a story and you wanna see it and you wanna get film of it. But for me, I would take like hearing a big twig snap behind me, slowly turning and catching a deer and like, oh, like it's it's here it's now it's happening then watching it for four hours feeding and then finally it comes in i'm like oh dude the agony with that is yeah. just insane especially when it doesn't work out you know they come in and in your mind you're like there's no way this can't happen there's no way this can't work out and then all of a sudden it doesn't and you're like what the hell happened like come on that man sucks yeah so yeah not psyching yourself out and it's the same thing for me with shotgun hunting hmm. like if i'm if i'm shooting skeet and i think about what i'm doing i whiff dude a lot yeah where if it's just i, I like to i like to shoot skeet with my gun down and i don't like put it up on my shoulder and like yeah. pull and then like come up i like the you got to shoulder it, get on, pull the trigger. Because oh, I thought you were saying no, you shoot from the hip like no, no, old no, no, Western. No. I was no. like, dude, you. <laughs> I wish I could do that. That'd be awesome. I'm Talented. no Tom Knapp, that's for sure. But I think, I think just the reflex of it yeah. is is way better for me. Hmm. And there's people like Mark Kenyon. I've listened to Mark Kenyon. He's been on the podcast before. Awesome, awesome guy. But he he talks about this mental checklist that he goes through when he's drawing back and just making sure his anchor point's right and like. Yeah continue to pull 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 like you yeah surprise trigger or surprise release and i'm like dude i don't know how people do that man every thought goes out the window completely when i'm hunting i'm not thinking about anything and it's just like get the pin on and shoot him yeah you know that's it like that's what it comes down to and i'm sure at an elite level of archery you have to have that mental checklist especially when you're doing target practice or 3d tournaments but for me I'd rather just go with it, you know, just make it happen. I will say that that practicing for me, and I know everybody's different, but for me, practicing in the yard, I felt like I did develop a subconscious, like, muscle memory to it. Like I said, I know I probably didn't, like, I wasn't surprised. I probably forced the shot. But as far as, like, getting my knuckle pressed up against, like, the back of my jaw, but, yep. like, there's all the other stuff that it did kind of come instinctually just from sh- – you know, the reps in the backyard. And and you're never going to be great at something unless you do get that muscle memory. Like if you just go out there and you're like, Oh man, I'm just going to wing it and hope, hope for the best. It's probably not going to work out great. But once you have that great foundation, then you can just let the motor reflexes take over. Yeah. And, and then it just happens. And I, I, I talked to a couple people that are just killers. Like they just make it happen one way or another. Yeah. You don't overanalyze because there's a thousand different things that you could do. You know, whether it's you approach from this side, you climb into this tree, which way are you going to be facing? Um, you can, you can analyze everything to the point where you almost become paralyzed by it, Yeah, you know, and you're like, dang it, I should have been in that one. And yeah. now you're thinking about it and you're kicking yourself for not being in a different spot or entering a different way. And that's just not me. But once you do it long enough, it just comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the amazing point to get to. Like once you just get out there and it's like, hey, I made it happen. And 
uh, it was funny at elk camp, we were, we were sitting around talking and it was the night before season opened and everyone's like, man, I really hope I can, I can kill a, an elk or whatever. And I looked at them and I was like, I'm going to go out and kill the biggest bull of my life tomorrow. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I wasn't trying to be cocky by any means. Like that wasn't my, my goal in it. But I was just like, dude, I'm in a mindset right now where like, I'm confident and I'm going to do it, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far back the bull is, how many miles I have to hike, how long of a shot. Like I've put in the work, I've put in the practice, I've put the rounds down range to where I feel confident to shoot a long ways and to, to have pinpoint accuracy with it. And then on top of that, it's just like, if, if you go into it doubting, you're setting yourself up for failure, you know? Yeah. I'd rather go into it like as confident as can be. Like there's no way I'm going to fail and I'm still going to fail sometimes, but I'd rather be so alert and so in tune and believe that it's going to happen because I'm going to be more aware of my surroundings. I'm going to be uh, better off for it. You know, I'm not going to be making stupid mistakes because if, if I think at any second there could be an elk over the next hill, I'm not just going to be walking lackadaisical. Yeah. Lackadaisically. Yeah. I, I don't know what the word is on that one. Um, but I'm not just going to be like walking around like an idiot bumping elk. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be in predator mode the whole time because mm. I am out there to hunt and kill an elk, not to go on a nature hike. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think once you get to that point where you feel like you could make it happen in any situation, it's a great place to be mentally and just to have that mental strength from the get go and like just believe that it's going to happen, even though it's not 90% of the time. Yeah. Like I, I feel like if people really want to be a good hunter, the number one thing I tell everyone is scouting. Like the more you scout, the more you can figure out these animals, the more success you're going to have. But I think second to that would be your mindset. Hmm. Go into it fully believing in yourself and fully believing that it's going to happen. Yeah. So wise what, words, dude, what's next for you, man? Or are you going to change anything up for next year? I, or are you going to try different hunts, different animals? Different I would styles? man. Cause, cause like I said, so this was first year Turkey hunting and I mean, I didn't get anything, but it still is like dipping my toes into that and then bow hunting. So that all happened in the same year and, you know, bow hunting ended up, paying off i shouldn't say paying off turkey hunting was a blast it's all paying off i think even just being out in the woods is good for your mental health of just like getting out away from distractions checking out from like put the phone emails everything just getting back out there so um i would like to do some more turkey hunting this next year and if i could travel and like i mean i don't know i feel like the possibilities are endless yeah even if it's just bow hunting this next year and getting another doe or i shouldn't say another one getting a doe for the meat like i will i will be pleased with that like that'd be a blast but um i think it's something and especially my daughter jackie she'll be turning eight and i think i'd like to like get her into shooting like she's been very interested in like archery she's a little gun shy right now just because the first day i took her to a a, like a a public just like one of those free conservation missouri conservation department gun ranges it was right when everyone was getting like their big deer rifles uh sighted in and i had a little 22 
and it was one of those ones that had like the roof over the top and even with like the hearing protection and oh, the maybe percussion she, of it you can feel it, it was yeah. oh yeah like I, it was it was shaking me and i was like man this was this was a bad like introduction to her but um i'd like to get her into it or maybe even just like shooting bows in the backyard and stuff cuz i think that she would be really into it and if i could you know share that with my family like my father-in-law, what he did with my wife, like that was their thing. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I, Dude, I mean, we'll get you out. We'll get you out to the property and shoot. And yeah. She can come out and I love and that. Get her shooting. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, getting getting the family involved is always a good time for sure. And then yeah, on top of that, man, just getting out there and making it happen again. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing like the first one in. My buddy, Sean, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but one of the things that he told me, he's like, dude, don't be picky about the first one. Because once you once you shoot your first elk, you're going to be more confident and you're going to have that belief that it could happen. Whereas if you go and you just fail and fail and fail and fail, and or you have opportunities and you don't take it because it's not the right bull that you wanted, you're going to kick yourself for it down the yeah. road. Like, man, I could have come home with a bunch of meat. Yeah. Even though the rack wasn't the size that I wanted, like, uh, I, I should have shot it, man. You don't want the regret of it. Yeah. And so if you can, if you have an opportunity to shoot something, like, take it. Yeah. And it's just going to, you're going to learn, and it's going to be more instinctual. There's people that go out, and they do, they do doe patrol early season hmm. just to basically get those jitters out of their system to get that confidence level up, like, hey, I'm out here hunting, and I'm making it happen. Yeah. And then when the big butt comes in, it's the instinct kicks in because you've been doing it on does hmm. for, you know, the last month. Yeah. So, yeah, for you, man, just get back out, dude. Yeah, dude, I've got again. a lot to learn. I feel like it worked out really well this year, but I definitely know there is a ton of information that I don't know. So just like you said, getting back out, there's a lot for me to learn hunting right in this area. Uh, down the road, if I could do trips, like hearing all your guys' stories about like hitting the road, elk hunting, or like bighorn sheep, or something like that. Like, there's, I feel like I've got to work myself up to that. Like, maybe I'm not ready for that big of a, a commitment, but I would like, because I've, like I said, we're we're a very outdoorsy family, like yeah. road trips, camping, and stuff. But the idea of like learning how to hunt and then combining that with like fun road trips with friends or family, and then like pursuing all this stuff it's i won't lie though it it sounds a bit overwhelming of like like man that's in a different state i have no idea like i'm just learning how to scout the land that's within an hour from springfield so let alone like the idea of like how do you have any idea unless you have a connection point out there that's like hey we've got the spot let's come out and take a look at it dude but, it was so intimidating for me that i had never done it until i actually moved out west yeah and you know i always thought it was out of reach like Dude, I have no idea what caliber, caliber to use. What scope do I need to put on my rifle? I need to get better binos. I need to get a better pack. I need to have access. I need to know where I need to, like, where I can hunt. The regulations. There is so much to it, hmm. but it's very rewarding also to put in that work and and learn about all that stuff. Yeah, you know, because there's people who only hunt public land, only do it with a bow. They do it over the counter, sometimes places they've never been, and they go out two days before and scout, hmm. and then they figure it out and have success. And it's it's doable. It really is. Like, if you put your mind to it, if you put the work in, 
it can happen, but you have to get over that mental barrier of how overwhelming it is yeah. first. But, dude, we'll get you out turkey hunting this year, man. If you want to learn how to be a great turkey hunter, I am the wrong person to go with. All right. If you want to learn how to kill a turkey no matter what, come with me. Okay. Because especially if you like stalking a turkey like you did that one day. Yeah. In a full ghillie suit. That's like 95% of the turkeys that I've killed have been me crawling through the the grass or like using the shade in the in the timber when they're out in the field and cutting them off as they're heading into the woods. Yeah. Like I've got that down, but sitting and calling and doing it effectively, I got my first turkey ever doing that this year. Hmm. And but I've got that mindset where it's like, dude, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. There's some people who frown upon that heavily. I mean, dude, they they send so much hate my way. For having a reaping decoy, aka like a turkey fan, or you hide behind something and then you pursue oh, them. Yeah, yeah. There are some people who are diehard against that. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, it's legal, man. Yeah. Like, so it's what? Not so unethical. you're out there like holding the decoy for sure, and, dude. Uh, dude I've, I've seen got, videos. Of people maybe it's in here somewhere. I've got a. It's called a turkey fan, uh-huh. and it's an it's an umbrella with a turkey print on the front of it. Okay. And so you literally like crouch or crawl up to the turkeys or into position. And uh, I have yet to do it. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. The second turkey that we got this year was that for like 400 yards uphill through the mud on these turkeys. And there were so many of them out in the field. And it ended up being like crouch running towards them at the end, (laughs) standing up and shooting them. And... Uh, it, I mean, it is, it is a rush, dude. And then like, I've done it. I did it on a couple toms last year. Me and Drew actually doubled up because we decided to go for a walk. Actually, we went for a drive. I don't remember if we went for a drive that day or not. Anyways, we, we left our spot. We had our decoys set up and I think we went and checked just another field to see if, if there were turkeys like right across the fence line. And so we were on our way back, and we were like, man, dude, they didn't come out today. Well, they just ended up coming out later than normal. And so as we're walking back to the turkeys, to to the decoy setup that we had, we see these three toms booking it like velociraptors through the field, heading straight towards our decoys. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I open up the turkey fan, and we like, <laughs> we like uh, we're hundreds of yards away from these things. Yeah. And there's a creek bottom in between us. And so we're like, while we're in within sight of them, we've got the fan open and we're like moving towards them. And then we get in the creek bottom and we just book it for like a hundred yards where they can't see us. And then we pop the turkey fan up. We come up this hill out of the creek bottom and we're both behind this thing, like creeping over to them. Well, they're behind, uh, it was like an old hay bale staging area, so it was all overgrown, and there was a fence line and stuff, uh-huh. and there was a big cedar tree, or, or like a, it was more of a cedar bush okay. uh, on the corner, and our decoys were on the other side of it. Well, all those turkeys went over there, and so I'm like, dude, they're probably over there beating up our decoy right now, but we have to get through this fence, and there's not a gap, there's no like missing strand, and so we had to close the turkey fan, like crawl one at a time. I passed it through to him. He opened it back up. I got through. And then we get over to like, I don't even remember. I I think it was like 17 yards. And all of a sudden we can like peek around and see both hiding behind this fan. 
and all of a sudden like <laughs> you one head pops together. up oh yeah dude one of them pops up and i'm like dude don't shoot it wait for another one to pop up and all of a sudden we saw a second one and we both pulled up propped it on top of the turkey fan and we're like <laughs> one two three uh, team snipe doubled up and i'm like dude it's so much fun man i i i get the calling them in and watching them strut and like do their thing but i also love stalking turkeys yeah it's it's a rush man that sounds like a blast so yeah we'll we'll make it happen one way or another and where where we hunt there's so many freaking turkeys out that's there. awesome it's insane how many birds are there and I talked to one guy, I think from the NWTF, on the podcast, and he was saying, like, turkey numbers are down nationwide. I'm like, they are definitely not down huh. in our area. Like, there are yeah. so many birds. There were days where I'd see 13 to 20 toms, and, you know, like, it doesn't always work out. And yeah. I try to do it the traditional way where you sit still and you call and you have decoys set up. And sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. And it's definitely rewarding when you call one in, like yeah. the, the interaction aspect of hunting. Mm. Like that's why people I feel like are super into turkey hunting because you're communicating with them. You're convincing them vocally and mm. visually that you are another bird. Yeah. Same thing with duck hunting, with elk hunting, you're yeah. vocalizing and you're, you're talking to them and you're interacting with them. You, you know, you're probably not using the visual side of it, or maybe you do have like a silhouette decoy or something that you popped up. But are you and Drew gonna climb inside like a a, a stuffed like elk? To yeah, try? I want it to be like I want it to be like Ace Ventura. Yeah, in the rhino, <laughs> pretty yeah. hot in yeah. those rhinos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, no, I think that'd be funny. Um, but I it it would just. It's a different level, man, when you're going after them. Like, that predator mindset is totally different. Yeah. Um, versus hmm. just sitting and waiting. Yeah. It, it's still awesome. And I, you, I, and you either, one, that, but either one sounds great. It's just whatever it takes, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot ducks and geese, like, jump shooting them off ponds, which, you know, some people frown upon it. Everybody's got an opinion. Like, instead of call, sitting and calling them in, like, if you see birds out on a pond, you have to, like crawl your way in or get like below a dam or behind cover and you get as close to them as you can and then you jump out and they fly up and you shoot them mm -hmm. um but dude w whatever it takes as long as it's legal and ethical i'm gonna do it yeah so anyways dude thanks for hopping on man yeah thanks for having this me it's been fun. a blast dude this is this is a breeze. Yeah, you were all worried before. <laughs> well, I was worried that I was going to talk too much and uh, the mission accomplished. But you said it was okay. So it once you gave me free reign, then I'll just ramble on. Dude, it was awesome, man. Uh, congrats on your buck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for all your help helping me get it. Sure thing. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Man, I'm going to have this guy on the podcast multiple times. We always, anytime we get together, we just sit around and talk and talk and talk. And now that we can talk about hunting, because he's a officially, he's not even officially a hunter. He's officially a big game or a whitetail buck killer. He made it happen first year ever. And that just blows my mind. I mean, when I got that message, I was so pumped for him. And I wish I could have been there to help him drag it out. But hey, trial by fire, right? He had to learn. He had to, he had to experience it all on his own. And in the future, hopefully we can get some sits in in the woods together. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So 
What a great episode. But if you guys are out there trying to fill your last minute tag, or maybe you're in one of those states where season's just opening up or a new leg of the season is opening up, good luck. All the best. I mean, I really do. When I say this every time on the podcast that I hope you guys are out there just crushing it, that you're connecting with these deer or whatever animals it is that you're chasing, I mean it. And tag me in the pictures. I'd love to see your success. I'd love to hear the stories. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.